Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Endon. Well, the countdown to the World Championship is on. Obviously, this week it's the China Open, the last counting ranking event before the Crucible. And uh, just recently, I got together with Michael McMullen to look at the runners and riders for this year's wide open World Snooker Championship. Well, I think for me, the World Championship increasingly resembles an Agatha Christie play. You sort of gather all the suspects together at the end and you make, it, make a case for all of them. And of course, eventually, on May the 7th, we will reveal, not the murderer, but the, but the winner of the World Championship. I suppose if it was Hercule Poirot, he would uh, choose Luca Brussel. Anyway, that's a, that's a side issue, really. Interesting way to start. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should start with the defending champion, Mark yeah. Selby. Um, obviously, he's won it the last two years. Last year, he'd won four ranking titles going in. This year, he's won one. It seems to me he obviously missed the first couple of events. He broke his toe, yeah. and he sort of he never quite caught up. I know he won the international championship, but he's always looked at just slightly off the pace compared to the top players. Yeah, and he made that harder for himself because he decided not to play. You had the Northern Ireland Open in Belfast just before the UK, and the Scottish Open in Glasgow just after the UK, and he decided not to play in either of them. Now, obviously, you would have to think that was to concentrate on his defence of the UK title. If you then go to York and retain the UK title, you're vindicated. If you lose in the last 64 to Scott Donaldson, then it looks like a really bad idea. So you've got three fairly big events in the UK coming up to Christmas, and he hardly got anything out of any of them. And I think that only added to that sense that he was playing catch-up, and he's kind of had that look about him the rest of the season. bit unfortunate, maybe, to go out so early in the Masters. Mm. I thought that might be the tournament where he turned it round, and he almost did get through the first match, but uh, just got beaten in a close finish. But uh, he's, I mean, he's hardly been beyond the last 16 you know, of, of more than a handful of, of events all season. And, you know, you talked about the consistency he was showing this time last year. It's a remarkable decline. But, as he's pointed out, he wasn't having a great season in 2016 and went there and won it for the second time. I don't think, though, he was struggling with his game then quite the way he seems to have been the last few months. Yeah, and also, one thing with Mark is, I know for a fact, he will watch all the snooker if he's not playing. So those two tournaments you mentioned he wasn't in, he'll be watching wishing he was there. Mm. He can't sort of switch off from it, I think. Which, in a way, is a good thing. I think it's why he's made him the great champion he is. But he, he must be concerned. I think, though, this ties in maybe to the 
general discussion, which is, does what's happened during the year really have that much impact on the Crucible? Because it's, so, yeah. it's a different format, you know, long matches, no other tournament has matches that last several days, you know, it's just a different thing. And maybe if he gets back there, he'll settle into the old Crucible feeling again. It can have some impact, I think. I think if you've really been struggling for your game all season, you know, well, the chances are you're not going to find it at the Crucible. But, you know, it's almost like it used to be the player who had had the best season, you would be saying, he's the man to win the World Championship. It's gone a little bit the other way, not last season, but in recent seasons we've seen it a number of times. It's like all the top players. There's so many events now, and they're all pretty close to each other in mm. some respects. It's like they all get their turn of winning an event or two. So you're almost saying, right, which of the top players hasn't had their form spell this season? Maybe it'll be due at the Crucible. I think it, it, it can have a big impact. I think if you've been struggling, then obviously chances are you're going to continue struggling. And clearly, you'd, you know, you'd want to go there having built up the confidence and indeed having built up the number of matches you've played through the season, which is why I think it was a mistake for Mark having you know, had a kind of delayed start to the season to then voluntarily opt out of you know, two events where he could have had anything up to 14 matches and really sharpened himself up. Mm. Well, a lot, I guess, for him will depend on the first round draw. Mm. What's unavoidable is he's playing first day, so the pressure is bang on him. We, we shall see. Mm. We know that the second seed is going to be Ronnie O'Sullivan, and we know that he's having, well, his best ever season yeah. in terms of Matt Rankin events. He's won five, <coughs> looking serene, looking determined to play match play snooker. It's not just all about the, the sort of the breaks and the potting. He's developed into just a football, well, hasn't developed into a formidable player, he is a formidable player, but in terms of his mindset now, potentially better than ever. Imagine if he got himself into this mindset 25 years ago when he burst on the scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, we wouldn't be talking anymore about him trying to you know, set records for most ranking titles or most world titles, because he'd have broken them all by now. We've spoken about this so many times on podcasts, I still think he hasn't quite put that Selby defeat mm -hmm. in 2014 behind him. He's had the same world championship every year since then. He's talked in the run-up about how he doesn't want to go to it and he's not looking forward to it and he might not go. He's gone there and got involved in some <coughs> silly controversy in the early days. And then the first time he's been really put under pressure by a real top player, he's been beaten. That's what's happened the last three years. Now, if he can break that mould this year, get his head down, avoid the controversy, and get past his first really big test, which he hasn't done the last few years, then obviously he's going to be a massive favourite to do it. And if he does, then you know he's on to six world titles, and every year then, after that, it's going to be, is this going to be the year that he matches it and, and ultimately overtakes Henry's record? And you know, as much as he says, you know, he doesn't, feel the need for that of course he does I mean you know you wouldn't be out there playing you know if you didn't have the mindset that you wanted to break those sort of records but you know we often talk about there's so much focus on O'Sullivan coming into every world championship regardless of what season he's had I think this year because of the season he's had it will be justified that there's so much talk about him some people are saying it's his to lose I think that's taking things a bit too far but clearly if he produces what he's produced through the season it's going to be you'd say almost impossible for anyone to stop him yeah, and he's had this before. I mean, the year that he took off and then came back, yeah. there was huge expectation on him, and he won it. I suppose the the main problem for him, apart from all the other players, obviously, is there's just so much more time at the Crucible for things to go wrong. And, you know, you could potentially see him having a bad session against someone, and then against a top player, like you say, and then it could be difficult. Again, the draw, I think, is everything. Um, like you say, who, you know, I mean, he's in the other half to Selby, uh, but where's John Higgins in the draw? Where are the players he really respects? But in terms of form, you know, you you have to say, not only is he favourite, he's a big favourite. Yeah, yeah, possibly as big as ever. And you know what you're talking there about how you know just one bad session can throw it all off course. The way the game is nowadays, you can have a really bad session without playing badly. Mm, you can just yes. be played off the table. Yeah. You can just make very few mistakes, but still. 
the standard is so high now, you can end up just being absolutely pummeled. You can lose a session 6-2-7-1 without really doing a great deal wrong. So I think that is very much it, what you've said there. So many pitfalls over the course of 17 days and all the sessions you have to play. And that's what makes the World Championship the ultimate test. Yeah. Well, this time last year, a lot of people were saying Judd Trump mm, is, the including form, us. is the form man. I mean, he, uh, Selby won the, the, the four titles coming in, but Judd Trump was in a lot of finals. He really seemed to be the form player going there. Bombed out first round. This year, he's not had such a good season. He's not, of course, in Beijing this week either, so he's got more time to prepare. People aren't really bigging him up, and that seems like it can only be a good thing for him. It's a bit like the England football team. You know, now that they're not so good, people say they're going in without much expectation, yeah. so maybe this will be the time. Yeah. And then that creates expectation, yeah, yeah. so it's funny how it works like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I said about Mark Selby for a number of years that I just felt at some point surely he was going to win a world title, and I still feel that way about Trump. I mean, he's still so young. I mean, he's only 28. I mean, you look at top players couple of years into their 40s still winning titles on a regular basis you can't by any stretch of the imagination say time's running out it's now or never no. he's nowhere near that stage of his well, career. Selby was 30 when he won his well, first and he's already exactly. won three yeah so. exactly so I mean the, there's no question of that I think he's found a really good balance in the game now I mean we've been talking about this for years and years but he actually still plays really aggressively <coughs> in terms of his potting his positional play even his safety is so aggressive mm. but I think he, he, he knows where the line is between that and then recklessness so, you know, you could see him lasting the course of a world championship. It's funny, you know, he should have won it in 2011, really. Um, you know, he was in a strong position against John Higgins. Even in the final session, he missed so many easy balls, potting really, really difficult ones and missing easy ones. And he could have been world champion all those years ago. But we've seen it a number of times with players. They get to a final, they lose. You think, OK, it's only a matter of time. It takes them six or seven years to get back to the final. And then that's the one they win. And of course, it's seven years now, isn't it, since Judd was in the final the yeah. first time. But he's been kind of up and down this season. He's had some really bad performances. You know, you think of the match against Sankham, for example, in, in Cardiff in the Welsh Open. It was really poor in that. But when you actually add it up, been a lot of semi-finals there, a couple of finals, and indeed uh, one title in Belgium. So he's certainly done enough over the course of the season to, uh, to suggest he's going to be a big contender again. I think Trump's a great player, I think he's a good lad, I think he's got one problem, and we saw it last year against Rory McLeod, he's either really, really confident, or he's got no confidence, he doesn't seem to have that middle ground, mm. where you just sort of play, and you, if you're not playing well, you sort of play through your problems in the way that someone like Mark Selby or Mark Williams can do, we saw him start off like a trade against McLeod, I mean he went in talking himself up, he was 4-0 up, playing great, started to take a few liberties, and then when the match turned, he's lost confidence. Now, whether he's learned anything from that, whether he's gone back and watched it, I don't know. But that could be key at the World Championship, where you do need to battle through the odd session where you're not playing well. Yeah, and he has talked about this, that he doesn't feel the same uh, motivation, maybe, as other players at times. And, uh, you know, the other players seem to be able to get up for every tournament. And he's admitted that, you know, sometimes he isn't. He just can't find that motivation. And I'm sure, you know, it's not something he would choose. I'm sure he'd rather be able to pick himself up. Mm. Uh, for every event but look if you can't get motivated for the world yeah. championship you're in the wrong game and, I, and I'm sure that won't be a problem for him there because he does desperately want to win it and uh, you know I mean, even the, the money as much as anything else nowadays I mean if that isn't a motivation but I don't think that is what players are thinking about you know he's played the game all his life yeah. and you know they all dream of becoming world champion and he's good enough to do it yeah well one man who could have been world champion the last two years were it not for Mark Selby because he's mm. Ding Jun Wee who 
for quite a few years, people said he didn't like the cruise, but can't play there. I think that's that's been exploding now. Beat yeah. Sullivan there last year. He's, he came up against Selby in a, in a great match, as he did the year before in the final. And again, the thing with Ding is he's not overplayed. You know, you couldn't say he's like yeah. played too much. Although I'm a, I'm not absolutely sure that that's an issue anyway, because when Barry Hawkins got to the final five years ago, it turned out he played more matches than anyone. Yeah, yeah, Bingham, yeah. you know, when he won it, had played everything. But he certainly. I think the thing with Ding is like he, he's one of these players now. I know he won the five events a few years ago, but he comes good now and again. He doesn't seem to play well in every tournament. Some tournaments he just goes AWOL, but there's no reason why this shouldn't be one where he starts to play again. There's almost no point talking about Ding in a preview because you can't base anything mm. on his form. He can be playing really badly, looking like he doesn't want to be there, then go out and make the game look really easy and win a tournament. Equally so, he wins five ranking events in a season and loses to Michael Wosley, mm. who we've heard nothing from since, mm. in the first round of the championship four years ago. So there's almost no point trying to assess Ding's chances. He's, he's always got a chance, even when he's playing really badly, because he seems to just be able to turn it on. If he's struggling for form, he doesn't turn it around gradually. He just goes out and has a great tournament. Uh, and of course he's a contender. He's got that more world championship experience now that... As much as anything, he just wasn't experienced to playing at the Crucible because he kept getting knocked out early on. But runner-up a couple of years ago, just got off to a really bad start in the final. Semi-finals last year, you know, gave a really good run there and almost got to the final. Um, so, yeah, definitely a contender. And also very popular with audiences. There's something likeable about Ding. He's yeah. a big star, like a massive star in China. But he has a humility which people like. And he obviously plays the game in, 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 in a great way as well. And, and we know if he won it, it would be an amazing thing in, in China. Just to just to see him get off the plane with the trophy would be fantastic. Well, we'd all have to move there because all the <laughs> tournaments would just be there. Well, one man who always seems to have a good run there is Barry Hawkins. Now, Barry obviously had a lot of problems off the table earlier this season, which affected his form. But it all came together at the Welsh Open, played really well to reach the final there, and played well in the final against Higgins. And... Again, you know, you kind of expect Barry to do well at the cruise. Yeah, and I think he, I think he will. I mean, I thought he had a really good chance to win it last year. He just didn't seem to believe he could win yeah. the semi-final. Yeah, and uh, and that was that was the problem with him. Um, he actually played in the final five years ago far better than he had in the semi. He was actually awful for most of the semi-final against Walden, but uh, found a way to come through in the end. He's definitely a contender for me, and you know, very much in the Stuart Bingham mould. Really likable chap. Been around a long time. Um, absolutely loves the game, plays in a huge number of tournaments, and you know Stewart ended up as world champion three years ago. Absolutely no reason at all why Barry couldn't do that because, I mean, his best is absolutely outstanding. It's right up there with the very best of them. Um, was it against Robertson that match a yeah. couple of years ago where Robertson just played unbelievably well, as well as he's ever played at the Crucible, mm. and still got beaten because Barry just played so well. He's a little bit underrated, I think, by the general public, but those of us who follow snooker, you know, week in week out, know. You know what an outstanding player he is. Great to see him back in form in the Welsh because, you know, first half of the season had been a real struggle for him. And just like him, actually, to not be making excuses and you know he didn't talk about his mm. the horrific personal problems he's had. And well, it's interesting you say it because I was in Wales when he finally did, and yeah. he 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 was asked before the press conference. He was asked, "Do you mind if we talk about this?" And he actually said. I don't mind, but I don't want it to look like I'm making excuses. Yeah, so he actually yeah. said that, and that wasn't on, in the press conference. He actually said that beforehand. I think that's the thing with Barry. Maybe, like you say, belief is the only sort of thing that may be slightly lacking compared to some of the other players. But you should believe, because he's got the pedigree there at the Crucible. Not everyone plays well at the Crucible. He does. Yeah. I mean, you talk about people being too nice a guy. Mm. Listen, there are a number of world snooker champions who are very nice guys, but they're not at the table. Yeah. You know, yeah. They leave the nice guy thing yeah. in the dressing room. And you know, pick it up again when they yeah. leave the arena afterwards. I think Barry takes it out a little bit too yeah. much with him. 
And, uh, you know, if we can get that past him... Again, he, he is absolutely a player who is, is good enough mm. to be world champion, and none of us would be in any way surprised to see him lifting the trophy. Yeah, he's on that sort of tier, I suppose, third or fourth, fourth tier favourites, along with two players I'm going to mention now, Sean Murphy and Neil Robertson, two former winners, two players you might have expected to have won it again by now. Yeah. Now, Murphy's had a really good season. He's been in all these finals, obviously won, not won a ranking event, but beat O'Sullivan to win the Champion of Champions. Neil Robertson won the Scottish Open, won, won that tournament in Hong Kong. Seems to have played a lot of matches where he's played great and not, yeah. and not won. I mean, the, the obvious one was against Ian Burns when he, in Wales, where he missed literally one ball and lost 4-3, having had three centuries. Um, and again, these two, you know, if they're in the latter stages, it's no surprise. I was surprised to see Sean's comments after the Players' Championship final about O'Sullivan yeah. and about how it was a privilege to be on the same table as him. Mm. Contrast that with Stephen Hendry, who famously <laughs> lost to someone once and felt he shouldn't have been in the same room as him. You know? Yeah. And look at all the titles Hendry won. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Sean shouldn't have said those things. I, I'm not criticising him from that point of view. I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but I don't think it's good to have that kind of you know, reverence for one of your, your rivals. I mean, you look at the golfer, Podrick Harrington, in his heyday, he refused to ever even say the name Tiger Woods, you know, and he won three majors. Yeah. So, you know, that tells its own story. He needs to get that out of his head. You've seen it at times when he's played O'Sullivan. Obviously, he put that behind him to win the Champion of Champions in Coventry in November. But, I mean, if he comes up against O'Sullivan over a number of sessions, you wonder in his own head, is he going to be thinking, am I really good enough to win this? And he is, and he should, you know, realise that. I mean, he... You know, he went all the all the way as, as world number 48. I mean, now as a top player, of course, he should feel he's capable of doing anything. My gut feeling is that Murphy's 2005 title will prove to be his only one. Robertson is a different story. Uh, he's another one who, you know, as you say, has produced a lot of great performances this season. Um, his results don't really reflect the sort of form he's had. He's very experienced at the Crucible, but... His record since he won it there, he wouldn't say it was particularly outstanding compared to other tournaments. But uh, I know he really does focus on the World Championship and he's, he's spoken about how he you know, really makes his preparation more intense coming yeah. up to it. Um, I, I think in a way, though, that that is possibly the key to why he's not winning it. I th you watch Neil, particularly the Crucible and in some other tournaments, and he is so focused on mm. like, every shot. And you think, can you maintain that intensity? to win 71 frames, which is what you need to become mm. world champion, over 17 days. When he was like uh, first on the scene, and, and indeed when he won the title, he played with a lot of freedom. I'm not saying he wasn't thinking, because you're always thinking, but maybe it was a little bit more instinctive. Um, and look, he's, he's a fantastic player, of course he is, and, and, and in that match against Ian Burns, he did nothing wrong really. But that was a short match. Can he actually maintain that over the distance? I would say yes, personally. Yeah, but yeah. But... If he gets a little bit bogged down, a little bit ground down in his own game over a session, as he did actually against Fu last year, you know, he lost that yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. He actually said afterwards, I need to be a little bit more free. So, yeah. But it's easy to say all these things. When you get into the heat of the crucible, it's hard to think about anything, really. Yeah, I know. And I think he can become over-analytical. Yeah. Maybe not so much during matches, but I know he thinks a huge yeah, amount about the game. I mean, he was on this podcast, yeah. of course, and I think in some respects he's still talking. Yeah. You know, but it was great because he just yeah. has so much to say about yeah. the game and he seems to think so much about it. Uh, and that could perhaps count against him. But again, I mean, you know, a player who has won the World Championship before and is still a top player, won a big title a few months ago, again, you have to say, of course, no reason at all why he can't win it. Yeah, I'd love to see Neil win it again. He's a, be great, he's, yeah. he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, now, one person who, uh, I suppose you go down the top 16, you think, OK, so an outsider within the top 16. Kyron Wilson's been in the last two quarterfinals, and indeed last year his tip went against his tip split against John Higgins. So from I think that was three each. So yeah. obviously that he was never kind of going to win after that. Um, 
I suppose he would be someone who he's got the right attitude, doesn't he? That's what I always say about Wilson. He'll yeah. prepare properly. He'll do everything right, and that that makes a difference, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about Barry Hawkins being the nice guy who lacks a bit of belief. Kyron Wilson's the nice guy who does have the belief. Mm. You know, he seems to feel he's destined to be one of the yeah. very top players and and a world champion. Um, you know, got to the quarterfinals a couple of years ago. Showed that he wasn't phased at all by the situation he was in. Um, I think he would thrive on it actually if he found himself in the later stages. I think he thrived on the Masters final. I think he felt very comfortable there, although he ultimately didn't win it. Um, he looked to me like someone who felt, you know, this is where I've been heading all my life. So I think if he finds himself in the one-table stage, which you know, some players can be intimidated by, mm. I don't think he'll be one of those. My feeling is that, yeah, he's a potential world champion, absolutely. Maybe not quite yet, mm. um, but certainly you could see him having a very, very good run. Mm. Well, we mentioned Ronnie O'Sullivan. Let's unleash a couple of other big guns. Mark Williams and John Higgins, again, having successful seasons, particularly Williams, because Higgins was still winning tournaments, but Mark had kind of dropped away quite dramatically in terms of being a winner. Now he's won two ranking titles this season. Clearly he's feeling good about his game, feeling confident, and has the best chance he's had for years of winning the world title. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you can totally see him doing it. He certainly won't overthink it. I mean, he'll just go in there, he'll think, yeah, I'm playing well. Let's try to keep playing well. He's kept it very simple from that point of view. His technique is very simple. His attitude is very simple. And, I mean, you know, that's great. It, doesn't, it means that you can get through the championship without it taking a great deal out of you. So, yeah, absolutely a contender. And you might say, look, it's been 15 years since he won it. Can he really do it again? I mean, we've seen time and time again he's looked absolutely finished. He's talked as if he's finished. Mm. Uh, but he hasn't let it get him down. And um, I think he's someone who's really pleased with how far he's gotten in the game and what he's achieved. And, you know, he's felt for a long time like he's in bonus territory. And he's certainly performed very well in that situation this season. John's a different story because he's certainly good enough. But I felt after the final last year, he had an air of someone who who felt he had blown his last big chance. And (coughs) even from speaking to him more recently in the run-up to the championship, he still seems to feel that. And he's he's certainly not talking up his chances. Mm. He seems to feel, yeah, I suppose my chances are okay. Isn't it amazing to think, though, 20 years this year since John first won the championship, three of the semi-finalists that year were Higgins, Williams and O'Sullivan. And they're all among the favourites again. The other one, Ken. Sorry, Ken, I don't think you're, yeah. you're quite in that. But uh, I'd love to see you prove me wrong. But isn't it remarkable to see them up there after all this time? And I mean, those three have you know, as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, I think the thing with Higgins is you'll know pretty early on in the tournament whether he's likely to win it or not. I think, like last year, he played superbly from the off, particularly against Mark Allen in the second round. You could just see he had that intensity and that look in his eye which suggested, yeah, he, he can win it. I think he probably would have beat anyone else at the final other than Selby. Yeah. He's, form, he's won the two tournaments this year, but it's been patchy otherwise. So I suppose, look, he's a legend of the sport, of course, he could do it, but he wouldn't be, for me, among the top three or four favourites this year. But uh, we shall see. One man who um, may not even be there is Mark Allen, the Masters champion. Yeah. May have to, I mean, by the time this goes out, we may know, actually, what his position is, because he's got to beat Nopin Senkam in, in, in Beijing. Um, but in a funny sort of way, you know, I would fancy him almost more as, as a qualifier than a seed to actually win it because he, he goes there as a seed, bang under pressure in the first round. You know, mm. you, you have that pressure as a top 16 player. We saw with Ding when he qualified. He looked and felt completely different. And I think Alan, actually, if he had to qualify, would breeze through the qualifying. Yeah, and I mean, imagine if he goes there and has to face a top player early on, mm. uh, beats him, you know, and then that can really yeah. give him the belief to build on that. Definitely good enough to be world champion, without question. Um, you know, we spoke on the Masters podcast preview um, about how you know it was surprising he hadn't won one of the big three events yet. Then he went out and did it. Um, no question at all. I mean, he's got the ability, and as well, he's the sort of player who, 
you know, the 17 days wouldn't drain him because mm. of the way he plays. He doesn't bother getting bogged down in the tactical side of the game. We know how quickly he plays. So he would be as fresh going into the final um, as he would have been in the first round, even, you know, as if he's had to play the three qualifying matches before that. I think it did work for Ding, absolutely. I think it was a big factor. I think mm. there were a number of things in his favour. Um, also, what helped Ding was, after the qualifying finished, he did have almost a week before he played his first match yeah. at the Crucible. So if Alan was to have to qualify, which we... You know, at the time of recording, we don't know if the schedule worked out in such a way that he did have a bit of a break. I think that would certainly help him. But again, absolutely no question. Any year he could go there and just get on a roll and, and end up winning the thing. Mm. I'm going to mention three players now who've had sort of eventful seasons one way or another: Stuart Bingham, Marco Fu, mm. and Luca Brussel. Bingham obviously didn't play for three months. I think he's, there's been this feeling since he came back he's got a bit of a point to prove he nearly won in Romania yeah. of course he has won at the Crucible so that, that kind of puts him uh, as a contender Marco Fu has been missing he's had eye trouble we understand he will be playing at the Crucible but obviously has no form to call on and Brussel you know had won that China Championship uh, in the early part of the season looking great he's had all this Q trouble since his confidence seems to have fallen off a cliff but you know he's this sort of maverick talent, and he's the sort of player you could see getting on a run there, a bit like Sean Murphy did. Just made his one four seven, so mm. you know he's obviously not struggling, you know, completely with his game. Hard to see any of them winning it this year, to be honest. Um, I don't think Bingham is. You know, could you really see him as a two-time world champion? I mean, yeah. well, did did anyone see him as a one-time world champion? Well, that's a very good mm. point, but um, yeah, I mean, I just missing all those months as well as you say I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that affects him and well the signs are I suppose so far it hasn't done him any great uh, deal of damage I think I mean Fu he's hardly you know featured this season at all I mean even before he took the break he had actually missed a lot of tournaments in the first half of the season and he seems to almost feel he's winding down his career at mm. this stage which is strange because last season was probably his best season and certainly the second half of it he was really really good you really can concentrate on being a justice of the peace yeah well that. exactly I mean that's, that's <laughs> time consuming in itself as, as we all know but um, and Brussel I mean a bit like Wilson definitely has the potential to be a world champion maybe a bit too soon from this mm. time and of course well I mean last year he just fell apart yeah. in the first round against Marco Fu, had that massive lead, and he needs to put that behind him. He needs to get a few wins at the Crucible under his belt to sort of move on from that. Uh, potentially in the future, I mean, you, you talked about doing, I mean, how great would it be to have a player from continental Europe winning the World Championship? I mean, there's never been anyone anywhere near that uh, from the continent. So, uh, yeah, potentially in the future for, for Brazil, but uh, possibly not this year. Okay, well, we talked basically about top 16 players, but obviously there's a qualifying competition and there's going to be some really good players qualifying. Mm. And of course, they're going to be coming straight in off the back of the qualifying, having had three matches to toughen them up. So let's talk about sort of outsiders. Now, obviously, we don't know who's going to qualify, so it's difficult to sort of predict who's going to come through. But in terms of players who could come through, I suppose we look at some of the young Chinese players. You know, Yan Bing Tao is a very exciting player, isn't he? And he's been talked about as a potential winner. Who's to say, you know, it could be the youngest ever winner. We, yeah. we don't know. Um, you've got to get there first. But he's the sort of player, and there's a couple of others there, who you could see doing some damage at the Crucible. Because they don't have the sort of scars there yet, do they? Yeah, no, and that's a very good point. And they haven't grown up with the Crucible yeah. in the same way that the British players yeah. have. Honestly, now, this might seem like an outrageous thing to say, having, you know, largely ruled out some players. <laughs> if Yan Bingtao went there and won the World Championship this year, mm. I don't think we'd be all that surprised. Yeah. Because we know how good he is. You talk about feeling comfortable. I mean, he just loves being mm. out there. He's not phased by the top players. You've seen his record mm. against them. And he almost became the youngest ever ranking event winner. That opportunity has now passed because mm. he, he's too old for that at this stage. So, I mean, no reason at all why he couldn't go there and just beat anybody. And again, I mean, you know, I don't think that the long matches would take a great degree out of him because he just seems to practice 
all day long, every day. I mean, even after that final in Belfast, when he got back to England where he lives, he didn't even go home. He just went straight to the academy to mm. practice. So, I mean, that's what these young Chinese kids are doing. They just play snooker morning, noon and night. So the challenge of the World Championship where you have to do that on the match table doesn't seem to phase them very much. So, yeah, I mean, huge expectations for Jan. I would put no limits at all on what he might achieve this year or any other year. Yeah, and it's highly likely that it might not be him, but some qualifier will get through maybe to a quarter semi-final that you don't see coming. I mean, two years ago, you know, Alan McManus got to the semi-finals. No one really predicted that would happen. There was no, no reason to predict why it would happen. But it's sport, and, you know, it's the unknown, and you get a few results, and things go your way, and you play well, and, and it can do. And it's... It could literally be any of them, couldn't it? I'll tell you who it could be. Someone in sort of the McManus mould is Ken Doherty. Mm -hmm. You know, because he's still on the tour. You know, he was given the two-year tour card to stay on. Now, if he got to the Crucible, he's got all the experience there. He knows how to win matches, mm. even when he's not playing well. I mean, we saw, say, in Gibraltar, where he just scrapped it out to the last against Dominic yeah, Dale till, yeah. till late at night. Um, I mean, he's someone who you could see doing that. I mean... You look at Steve Davis, I mean, how many sort of last great yeah. stands at the Crucible oh. did he have? Yeah. Ken's very much in that mould. John Higgins is someone who you could see 10 years from now, when yeah. he's in his 50s, you could see him doing that. Yeah. So if Ken could get through qualifying, which is a big ask, of course, to win three best of 19s, he's someone you could see with the right draw uh, going and doing some damage at the Crucible. Not to win it necessarily, but mm. get through a couple of rounds. But this is the other thing, though, and, and, and I think Joe Perry, will, or may not have been Joe, but someone said this last year. He said, and he's, he's absolutely right, whoever it was, I can't remember. Um, there are players who are good at qualifying who don't necessarily play well at the Crucible. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Peter Ebden yeah. quite often qualifies and then he's put so much into it when he gets to the Crucible it's hard to keep it going. There are some people who are good at getting through but not necessarily going to do anything when they get there. Yeah, I mean it's, it's interesting now because the World Championship is now a month-long event. Mm. It's all played in the same city yeah. albeit at two different venues. Um, you have the qualifying that runs for eight days Next morning is the draw, day after that the media launch, day after that the championship starts. So it's become a kind of month-long event now. And The fact the format has changed, it used to be the players in the first qualifying round. You knew they weren't going to go all the way. But now you'll have players playing from the first day of qualifying who will be certainly good enough to win the world championship. Mm. So it becomes a, a much longer event for them, a much longer challenge. I suppose some players would prefer, ideally to get through those three qualifiers and get sharpened up like that. Other players will prefer the break and the rest. I mean, Judd Trump is going to go into the World Championship having not played mm. for about a month because he didn't qualify for China. Um, so it does make it a real slog now. I mean, I was talking to some of the officials. <laughs> They're going to be spending a month mm. at the World Championship. Mm. I mean, you know, you're going to go a bit crazy by the end mm. of that. Mm. So uh, that, that is an extra challenge if you are coming through as a qualifier that you know, you're having to last the 17 days when you've already lasted through three best of 19s and as you say some players you couldn't really see them sustaining it for that period of time Ebden I guess being a classic example if he was dropped in as a top 16 mm. player you could see him getting through a couple mm. of rounds but could he really have that week of qualifying that would take so much out of him and then go and do it at the Crucible probably not mm. it's a very exciting time of year it's like for snooker fans it's like walking into a supermarket and hearing last Christmas you, know, you know you're in that time yeah, of year yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess the fact that it's so open makes it more exciting than ever and also you're guaranteed the standard's going to be brilliant it just will it can't not be mm. that's the thing I mean every tournament the standard is, mm. is fantastic now and you know we just don't even talk about it so much anymore mm. because it's just what we're used to so um, yeah, it's going to make for another f fantastic championship. There'll be so many stories. There'll be a few controversies. There'll be great comebacks. There'll be amazing clearances. There'll, you know, very good chance there'll be a one four seven in there because I think we're due one of those yeah. at the Crucible. Yeah. And maybe, and just this is a bit of a random thought. Maybe this will be the year after sixteen years 
that we have another 1817 file. Yeah. Because it's remarkable when you think about it. I know it's 35 frames, but it's still surprising that there have been so few of them. Mm. Surely we're due one of those. Okay, well, finally, and I'll do the same, but you, but you can go first. Mm -hmm. One name, who is going to be world champion this year? Trump. Okay. Uh, I, I was expecting you to prevaricate there, so I could actually think about what I was going <laughs> to say. I play by the rules here, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm going to say... I'm not going to say Ronnie O'Sullivan, although if he does win, I'm not surprised. I'm going to say Barry Hawkins. Okay. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I well, just I think uh, you look at the logical form there the last few years, and you think, well, why shouldn't he? Really? Well, we should have rehearsed this because yeah. what I was going to say next after that right. was, okay, who's your sort of outside tip? Okay. And then I was going to say Barry Hawkins. Okay. So, uh, All right. uh, so I guess you're you're covering both of those, yeah. with Barry. But yeah, look, I totally agree. I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't win it at all. And you know, I know what he's gone through off the table has been absolutely awful. But you see it sometimes. People then yeah. turn up and think, well, look, does this really matter so much? Well, Dennis, when Dennis, he won it. Absolutely, His mother yeah. had died and he later that season won it. We shall see. Uh, look, it could be any of the people we've mentioned. It could be any anyone else we haven't mentioned. The point is it's the World Championship. It's the highlight of the year for snooker fans. The Crucible stage starts on April the 21st. Of course, there's qualifying before that. And we can't wait. Thank you for your company. And the best thing is, yeah. of course, Dave... When it all finishes, we get to do another oh, yeah, podcast, yeah. looking back on how wrong we got it all. Absolutely. Join us for that, where we won't mention any of this. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.